ideas are really cheap, right? I think a lot of people mistake having an idea for having a business. I really had a passion for this thing that I was, I was working on, and I could do it every day. Welcome to the Push Boundaries Podcast. I am your host, Nishan Cherry. Push Boundaries' intention is to tell the stories and perspectives of interesting people across many different industries. We will touch on how these people have overcome obstacles to get where they are today and the music that has guided them along their journey. You will find all podcast episodes on our website, www.pushplaylist.com, where we crowdsource and promote playlists from music enthusiasts to your favorite influencers within the culture and make them available on all streaming platforms. If you aren't already, follow us on Instagram at pushplaylist with the S to stay up to date with the podcast as well as catch some of the dope playlists that we post on a weekly basis. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast, Ryan Wilson. If you ever found yourself attending professional events in Atlanta, you've probably been to his location at The Gathering Spot. The Gathering Spot is an invitation-only private membership club that has a co-working space, restaurant and bar, and event space where private events are held. Ryan, one of the co-founders of The Gathering Spot, is a Georgetown Law graduate who declined job offers out of law school to come back to Atlanta and build. Now, nearly three years later, Ryan and his team are working on expanding the gathering spot to new locations in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles. So without further ado, my conversation with Ryan Wilson. On average, Americans spend over 32 hours a week listening to music. Rarely will you ever find a person that doesn't listen to music. If this is true, what are the songs that get the most inspiring entrepreneurs, producers, designers, and athletes going? Out of this question, the Push Boundaries podcast was born. Here are a collection of stories, lessons, and playlists from these individuals and how they are pushing past obstacles to live the life of their dreams. This is Push Boundaries. So this is the first location, right, in Atlanta? This is, this is, the, this is the flagship. It's the first one we ever opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, take me, like, a little bit into what gathering spot is and like what was the whole idea behind it so the gathering spots a um an invitation only private membership club and so from a space perspective there's three parts of the space a co-working space that we keep open 24 hours a day it's conference rooms long workstations um private offices and again because we don't close it you'll see people in and out of the space all day long uh the second part of the space is a restaurant and bar yeah. so You've got to be a member in order to dine at the club, but we, we serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, full service. Um, and then the last part of the space is event space where we both host private events, but also curate experiences for the membership on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You'll see a little bit of everything in there, seated plated dinners, cocktail parties, brand experiences, music performances, yeah. we kind of do it all. But I, I tell people all the time, as much as the space is important to what we do. The business is really about the people that are here, the community that's right. been formed. And so um, in that way, I mean, the people that are here, it's very, very, very interesting mix that uh, we, you know, we brought together that I'm most proud of. Yeah, yeah, and so it's a mixture of like all different companies, all different types of, uh, from different, you know, sectors or. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely, uh, definitely different industries. I mean, so about a third of the membership base are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. but the other two thirds are um, people in the creative industry. So we have a lot of people in music and film and and, uh, 
and all forms of entertainment. And then the the traditional business community is also here. So yeah. you know, Atlanta's got the third highest concentration of Fortune 500 companies, mm. and about a third of our membership base works at you know those, those businesses. And so we're trying to bridge that gap between business, startup, and creative communities that yeah. like we're they're kind of thought to always have to exist in separate places. Mm -hmm. um, this business is about trying to create a framework and a space for them to all connect with one another. Yeah, I can yeah, I can imagine a lot of collaboration happens with that and uh, you know great things can come out of that. Um, so like what was it what was it that you guys saw uh, that was kind of a lack for you guys to, you know, open this up, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in that there's nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah. And so we um, the process really got started. I was a law student. I went to Georgetown for undergrad, went straight to Georgetown Law and on the more professional side, I was working with a lot of nonprofits, and I needed workspace. And so I did the coffee shop thing. I did the restaurant, kind of tried to do meetings there. Mm -hmm. It didn't really work out. Um, so I was co-working at that point was just kind of starting to get going. Yeah. I would go to these co-working spots, but they were really just selling offices. Mm -hmm. If you step back and looked at it, and really cool offices. But like, I didn't need a full-time office. Mm -hmm. I needed a place to have a meeting. On the social side, um, it just was hard to find places to bring people together. And post college, I didn't have uh, that. I lost that community of being able to meet people from everywhere, people that had different interests. It just kind of all went away really quickly. And so, yeah. as a quote unquote adult looking for you know places to replicate that in in a, in a sense. I couldn't find them because a lot of the country clubs or city clubs that you go to are relatively stuffy. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, you know, looking at the industry trends, saw co-working was kind of moving in an interesting direction and that city clubs hadn't in a long time. And so we combined the models yeah. and um, and we're off to the races. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I mean, so you, you speak, spoke a little bit about your uh, time at Georgetown. Like, let's take it all the way back to like, you know. Where are you from, like originally? Where are you born at? Yeah, so I was I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and moved like every two years growing up for a long time. Um, oh, my you dad. Military. No, it wasn't military. My dad was um was working for a company and had new opportunities. Um, promote. He was getting promoted, and yeah. so uh, it wasn't until middle, like later in middle school, that uh, we came to Atlanta, and he started a business here, and so. Um, from that point on, you know, middle and high school, I, you know, I, I consider Atlanta home. It's where my family is. Nice. Where I, uh, I you know, I have the privilege of, of suffering through Atlanta sports <laughs> like everybody else. But um, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I'm from here more than more than anywhere else. Okay. Wait, at what age did you kind of move to Atlanta? Uh, for the, so I actually moved here for the first time in '96, and I was six years old. <laughs> um, we left, went to North Carolina for a minute, mm -hmm. but then came back. Um, call it when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. Gotcha. Yeah. What was it like uh, moving to all these different places? How did you feel, right? You know, because I could imagine you had gained friends, lost friends a lot, right? Uh, and how did that play into, like, who you kind of developed into? Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, honestly. So what's interesting is, like, I don't have childhood friends. Like, all of the, if I look at married and if I look at all the guys that um, were at my wedding they mm -hmm. or even my business partner um, they're all people that I met in college and afterwards right so 
you know, one of the downsides of that movement is that I just didn't, I, I didn't, it was hard to, to keep friendships over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say one of the positive aspects, though, is that I'm extremely used to being in, all, I mean, I've, I've been to most states at this point, mm-hmm. um, know a lot of cities, you know, relatively well, and yeah. so, and, you know, talking and being able to relate to people, I mean, a lot of it is, like, where people are from, and, yeah. like, and uh, you know different experiences they've had. I've had similar, you know, in, in some way. I've lived in a, a lot of different different cities, so yeah, um, it's helpful for what we do here day to day, and sure. especially as we expand. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm familiar with and spent a lot of time in the other cities that we're currently expanding to. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, like, what were some of your, your hobbies and some of the things you kind of did a lot of? <clears throat> um, I played sports for I mean most of my played every different type of sport um, yeah. growing up. And then as I got into high school, I started to kind of balance that out with some academic and other interests. I had been in high school. I was, I was all over the place. I, mean, I was like editor of the yearbook. Um, was heavily, I'm still to this day, really interested in politics. And so I, okay. I was involved in the Young Democrats for a long time. Nice. And then my plan in life was to be a lawyer. And so I, um, I was on the mock trial team. In, in high school, and um, our in team Atlanta. was pretty good Here in now. Atlanta. Yeah, our team was pretty good, and so yeah, I don't know. I I, I um, was talking about this recently. I mean, one of the cool things about high school for me is that I was doing like a bunch of different things. So yeah. I was like, you know, athlete Ryan, and then like mock trial nerd Ryan. Right. Yeah, <laughs> back to back, which was cool. Yeah, you got exposure to a lot of different things, right? Uh, that, that's very helpful in your development, I can imagine. Uh, what was it that kind of drove you to be interested in law and like politics? Um, I mean, I think politics kind of got me interested. I noticed that a lot of the people that were in that space were lawyers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to this day, really have an interest in, I mean, it sounds uh, grand, but in helping people, right? And yeah. solving problems. And so um, being a lawyer was one of the first professions that I was introduced to, mm-hmm. where it seemed like you had, a, you know, the chance at least every day to to help people solve um, problems. Yeah, and so, sure. I, uh, you know, I kind of I dreamed of being a civil rights attorney mm-hmm. for most of my my childhood. Your childhood, yeah, sure. Okay, and then um, with the high school here, undergraduate, where'd you go? You so I went to Georgetown in D.C. Okay. Um, so I I knew that I wanted to go to D.C. for school. Politics again was kind of driving that, yeah. and um, at that point, still was really interested in being a lawyer. So, Georgetown was a uh, was uh, the choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, majored in government sociology while I was there, so stayed kind of on that same sort of law school track, and then applied for law school while I was still an undergrad, yeah. and um, made the decision to to go to Georgetown for law school. So yeah, straight through, I went straight through. Yeah. So as a kid, were you like uh, ever working and dabbling around with like just different ideas and trying to create things, or were you more so just? Yeah, I mean, I've always that? been a person that I mean, as even talking about, I've had different interests and stuff, and so that would cause me to kind of, you know, I've always had different projects. But yeah. my dad, um, you know, owned a business, and so my first job was at fourteen working at owned a call center business. So yeah. Yeah. I worked in, um, in that business, and then he would have friends or like you know people from the church that had different businesses and so I um, and I helped out in a couple of those projects that 
Um, it kind of gave me the, the start to understanding business. Gotcha. And then your mom, what did she do? So my parents worked together. Okay. Um, so my, my parents uh, co-founded the company, and um, my mom has has been a you know, senior exec in mm -hmm. their uh, their businesses for twenty years. Now. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, so through undergraduate, um, you're still kind of focused on this law thing. You apply, you get in. Um, at that time in law school. Did you know exactly what you wanted to do after you left? Or? I mean, yeah. I mean, I was super clear on the civil rights uh, side. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I like, I didn't have any, um, there, was, there was no hesitation for me. Yeah, what I was gonna straight do. through. I, mean, like, yeah. I was going to, yeah, you know, go straight through, become a lawyer, take civil rights cases. So, gotcha. No, I mean, no, I never really wavered with that. And, like, part of the reason why I was a government major in undergrad was because I, I really was... Uh, fairly sure that like, you know, I had had some success on the mock trial team, and as, as funny as that sounds, I mean, I, I thought that, um, you know, I I displayed some elementary school, elementary skills there, and so no, I was I was full speed. Yeah. Ahead. So then, when you graduated uh, law school, then did you get that job, and then? No, so I declined my job. Okay. And did this. Okay. So I started the process of the kind of thinking about this business. Law school was three years. I started thinking about it right after my first year. Okay. Spent the next two years um, really flying back and forth from Atlanta while still being in school. Mm -hmm. What the plan was that, like, if I could get the business to a place that when I graduated, uh, you know, we would start construction and go. And that, luckily, that's that's what happened. So yeah. I, I declined my job offer. And Where are you about to work um, at? I was about to work at a law firm. Okay. Um, and decided that I was going to come in and put all my eggs in this basket and take the risk and jump into trying to start a business. What was your mindset? Like, so as something switched there, right? Like, so something happened where you just like, all right, I really want to solve this problem. What was that kind of thing? Was it I mean, I think that, and I, I believe this to this day, ideas are really cheap, right? So like you can, having an idea is not like, that's not a, it's not a thing. I think a lot of people mistake having an idea for having a business. Yeah. But what I started to notice was that I really had a passion for this thing that I was I was working on, mm -hmm. and I could do it every day. Right. Right. I mean, like with with real intensity. And I mean, to to this day, like I can still do this mm -hmm. every day with real intensity. So um, when it got to a point where it was like TK would come to my apartment, it's my business partner, mm -hmm. and we would work from like eight p.m. till I mean late into the morning every day. Right, and then he would get up and go to work, and I'd get up and go to school. But like, um, when we kind of demonstrated to ourselves that we were gonna, we were willing to try to execute on this idea, we we, we ran at it, you know, really really yeah, hard. Full speed ahead. Um, how did you how did you meet uh, TK? So just in class. So we were roommates. No, we were roommates in uh, in college. Well, we started out living on the same freshman floor, mm -hmm. and then um, our last couple of years lived with two other guys. Um, at, and, apartment so yeah we you know we spent a decent amount of time together he's got a, a business background so okay. his a his a major in undergrad was finance and accounting yeah so I needed someone that could kind of take the idea vision piece of it and really help build a business model around it yeah and so that's what we were doing you definitely day. you look for somebody that can like complement your skills at that point hundred percent hundred percent Okay, so like when you were like working these late hours, 
um, what were you doing? Like, you know, what was like your first steps, yeah. right? Like, I mean, so <laughs> I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, the, the biggest piece of advice I have when you're starting a business is that every session that you have working on the business, that's kind of how I used to look at them. It's like, I'm clocking in, you know, and like, I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna do for yeah. the next several hours, you know, right. tonight. Um, the goal for those sessions was to take a step though, right? And like, sometimes the step was really small. Sometimes the step would be like, let's, let's go online and research private clubs or co-working spaces or, um, you know, let's, let's go and like create, um, you know, start the business, incorporate the business or, I mean, and over time, if you're curious, you'll start to ask other questions and like it'll lead you into new directions. So gotcha. um, we started exploring areas that we never, neither one of us had any experience in, but would spend a ton of time wanting to learn more about. So like, okay, we had an idea about a space. Space means real estate. You gotta go understand real estate and how you gain, like how do you, how do you acquire a space, yeah. right? And when you start talking about acquiring space, you start learning about design firms mm -hmm. and who's designing and architecture and how that, like what that process is like. And then that takes you into construction, right? And so, like, if you just, you kind of are just going down this, this rabbit hole and it, it will, if you're curious, then most, most people, I think, um, they're not willing to dig that deep, right? And that's the difference between most entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um, is that, I mean, it's tough to continue to, like, want, have to explore all of these new verticals when you mm -hmm. feel like, you know, why can't the idea just exist? And yeah. Like for the idea to exist, you've got to be really well read in a bunch of other gotcha. areas. Relentless and just like your self study and like really picking up all the information you need. Uh, what was your idea or thought process behind moving it to Atlanta first, right? And like why not just DC where you guys were? Uh, I mean, it was a it was a business and a personal decision. So on the business side, the there was just a, just a different opportunity in Atlanta initially at first. Um, by way of space, um, the city I think is incredibly supportive. It had the demographic in terms of like a business, creative, and entrepreneurial uh, scene that was here that was important to how we were kind of thinking about the business. Mm -hmm. um, I had you know somewhat of of a network and relationships that existed. My parents were still here, yeah. and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you added all that up together, Atlanta made sense for mm -hmm. us, and so that's why we we jumped in with with both feet. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, you know, so you go through this process, just like doing all this research, right? You're finding things out. What were you concretely, what was concretely like your first steps that you did, like, to get this going, right? Like, so, I, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, you'll hear a lot of people talk about this, but it's really important. You have to write a business plan. Okay. You have to sit seriously and write out for real what it is that you're trying to accomplish in a real way. What is it? Yeah. Um, and so I sat and I mean, I wrote a document that was 60 something pages oh. that had research on all corners of what we were trying to do yeah. and um, really examined, I mean, every part of the business holistically. So, I mean, when you do that enough, what starts to, to come of it is you, you're transitioning out of that idea phase and getting into the, um, you know, the true like meat of, the, of executing a business plan. So gotcha. a lot of people skip that step too, yeah. right? I mean, they, they write a paragraph or two and then they start, 
I mean, I, mean, I met a company a couple of weeks ago. It's like they had an Instagram page, but they hadn't incorporated the company. So I, if I said, you know, if there was any other thing that we did, that you got to take, you got to do all the stuff that isn't sexy too. Okay. Like, like all, what? Of, like what? Like incorporate the business. Okay. Understand your tax. Uh, you know, like how the business is going to be taxed, and you know, spend time really writing a business plan and understanding demographic data, or like, or you know, depending on what it is that you're building and right. developing the product from a coding perspective, like. All of that work isn't sexy at all, and that's a lot of times the work that um, is required to actually get the business going. Going. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people think it's about, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm just I'm gonna hustle to this, and it's like, yeah, but like, part of the hustle is doing all of the very non-glamorous, <laughs> the grunt work. I mean, it's just, not, it's just, I don't know a better way to say it. It's just, it's just not sexy work. Yeah. And I mean, like incorporating your business and getting a business license is just like, it's not, you know, it's just, there's nothing yeah. fun about, about it. That. But what most people like about their businesses, I found that don't make it out of this stage is they like marketing the business. They don't actually like, like building the business. Mm. Um, marketing is a, marketing is one aspect that a business, a lot of businesses have to have, but like, not the business yeah so you've got to actually do the like boring tedious stuff before you can get to really anything else gotcha um so when you were building this constructing this whole business uh plan was it running through every possible thing that you might need to know like what, what was kind of the structure for this right like was it just a lot of research a lot of information what it is like yeah, I mean, so there's there's no good, I don't know if I have a good answer here because there's no, like, set process when you're building a business. I mean, you're trying to, to take in a bunch of data. Mm -hmm. What I will say is that you've got to take it in and then make decisions off of off of it, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people, and we all have that person around us It's like, you know, I'm going to start that business, but, you know, I just got to get, and then they fill in the blank with some sort of, like, yeah, something, yeah, you know, I'm going to get there when X, Y, and Z happens. But you know, at the end of the day, like, I mean, you can, there's no shortage, especially in this day and age, there's no shortage of information. You can research a business to death. Yeah. You've got to set clear objectives for what it is that you want to know. Mm -hmm. And when you feel like you've gained that information, move on. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we would, we would push past um, topics pretty quickly because, again, to get out of that idea maze and to start executing, you've got to, like, you've got to pick up the pace and not, like, ideate on something past I mean a point that makes sense mm -hmm. I mean so you got to be thoughtful and I'm not saying that but like you also have to like oh, like do something at some yeah. point and if it's wrong the market will tell you that it's wrong pretty quickly and then you'll be able to make make informed decisions rather than it being like you're just out here you know on Google every night like yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs quote unquote their daily routine is more being on Google for years and years and years, but never actually like taking a step. Up and doing something. Yeah, like you gotta eventually like do some whole dudes with it, right? Gotcha. So you find your location in Atlanta, then the next step I assume is like real estate, trying to find the proper location. Yeah, no, so like real estate is super tough. There's a lot of different, I mean, um, you can, you know, buy, buy or lease space, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
there are a lot of things that go in either one of those buckets and a lot of capital that's needed yeah. no matter really which direction you go. And so we spent a lot of time just trying to understand. I mean, the, the gathering spot today is like 25,000 square feet. Yeah. So um, it's not a small amount of space for a first company, you know, for a company that's doing this for the first time to, uh, to try. But, uh, yeah, I mean, went through the process of acquiring the space, went into a design mode, found a, a really great design team, went past that and started going into construction. And then from there, we're, we were open, all right? So at this point, when you're going through this, were you also doing something to like be sure that you were gonna have customers on the other end of this? Or were you kind of just focused on kind of just building the space and then hoping at, at the other at end? At that point, yeah. Like we were trying to tell people about what we were doing. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time in the like, what if land, because like, you can do that to no end, too. Yeah. So uh, I had a fundamental belief that if we built it a specific way, that there was a target audience there. We had done research that I think helped support that point. But like, at the end of the day, you got to try it. I mean, yeah. there's no, I, I don't look at it any differently than like trying to produce an album. People are gonna listen to the album, or they won't. But you don't know until you until you Do produce it. the album, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, you can throw out a couple like teaser singles mm -hmm. and see how people react to them. But like at the end of the day, you got to produce the album, <laughs> yeah, right? And so we we were we were doing some teaser stuff, but like it was all still talking about this. If I'm continue that analogy, this album that we were gonna produce. Yeah. So uh, this. Obviously, it's probably a very capital-intensive project, right? What was your whole process and your journey to build this or find this money and this funding for you to begin building um, the first spot? It was a long journey, right? So total capital raise this first time was $3 million. Mm -hmm. You, We didn't know how much it was going to be. At first, we thought it was like a million dollars, and that seemed ridiculous. Um, but as time went on, we really sat back and was like, okay, I still believe, I still fight for this every day. You've got to fight for the largest possible version of your idea. Like, you've got to fight to be the greatest version of, like, whatever, you or the company, whatever it is you're doing. And so one million became two, two became three. Um, we pitched a lot of family offices and high net worth people. We yeah. talked to some VCs. We talked to anybody that I thought that could help us. Um, but it was a long process. I mean, the first 97 people said no, which is not an uncommon yeah. thing. Um, but, you know, you, when you're raising money, you, you can't. You just got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, What was your, like, morale at that point? Like, 97 people said no. Are you like, all right? Maybe I should, or you just like, I'm going to just keep going until it works. Like, I mean, I, so if you don't have that attitude and you're trying to start a business, then you shouldn't start the business because, yeah, mm -hmm. you absolutely need to be 100% in full belief that the thing that you're building is the right thing. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that almost by definition, if something is disruptive, people shouldn't easily understand it, right, or just or easily feel comfortable with it. So if you're actually doing something that's disruptive. Mm -hmm. Now, if I were to walk in and say, you know, I'm going to start a t-shirt company, 
and everybody's like, oh, that's so amazing. It's, it's kind of like the old thing you hear about. There's a lot of companies that, like, there, there was a lot of fanfare, but, like, they, 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 they weren't different enough that, like, people stopped using them. Yeah. Um, so I just believe that people didn't get it. I mean, and that was, that was how I would leave meetings. They just yeah, don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. They don't see this opportunity. They don't get it. And, like, they're kind of crazy, not me. They'll eventually, like, I feel like I'm looking into the future of how these community, how communities are going to be put together. Mm-hmm. And people shouldn't get that because if they did, like, I'm, I'm probably replicating something that they've already seen before. And there's yeah. a way less chance that that business is going to be successful. So, huge. Yeah. Just kept on going. Like, get it going. Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, you you know, guard your heart when you're going through that process. And um, I would take in feedback, but at the same time, I was super clear on what we were trying to do here. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do this work, right? You get all this set up. You find this location. You find these, uh, you know, these people that are able to build the space out. Um, get the money, get the capital. <clears throat> How do you bring the people in? I mean, we're very open and transparent about what the I think the club offers, but more importantly, especially in that those days, like what our values were, like what we were trying to accomplish by being a part of this. And so, we hosted a couple of preview events. Those were our singles, mm-hmm. uh, and um, but I mean, past that, it was just talking about what we were trying to do. And we were fortunate that there was a you know cohort, first cohort of people mm-hmm. that saw it, could kind of dream the dream with us, and uh, and came on early and then a lot of those people going on to tell their friends and people yeah it's uh like word of mouth is big here like big on yeah we don't do really any traditional marketing at all so word of mouth is more than big it's kind of gotcha kind of everything in a lot of ways do you guys have an instagram page yeah we do you can find us at the gathering spots (coughs) on all social media but um if you look at our channels it's not we're not marketing from the perspective of like trying to to ask people to Mm -hmm do anything it's more of just kind of recapping cool stuff that we and it's either happening here that we see out in the world that we want to share yeah um okay so then you um after you get like all this done uh you guys get these people in everything's built up first opening day how was that feeling what was it like was it like dang i just climbed this mountain got to this point or was it i still have all this stuff i gotta do no, I mean, for me, it felt like, you know, first quarter's over. We're, we're not even at halftime yet. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I was, you know, and I had to become a different type of entrepreneur at that point because yeah. we're, at that, we're, we're transitioning from being uh, a business that was purely kind of in the idea stage to now an operating business. And so now there are two new team members and there's new things that we're having to, to wrestle with. I mean, we're operating the business. And so... I had to become a different type of leader. I had to address different types of problems. I mean, it wasn't construction anymore. Yeah. It was, um, you know, about food service and event execution and, like, how, what's the look and feel and how do people enjoy the co-work. So it, my, my framework totally had to change. Which, yeah. You said you're married now, right? Yeah. How was that whole process along your whole journey now? Like, you know? So, I mean, I'm fortunate that I've been with my wife uh, since college. So we, uh, you know, she's been with me through all of these seasons, undergrad, law school, and now um, and now starting a business. And so we got married actually the 
probably five or six months after the business opened. Yeah. Was she like huge on your support system team? Like, yeah. Keeping you going. Yeah, no, for sure. Know? I mean, my wife is in is in the healthcare space, and so, um, totally different worlds yeah. at this point. But, yeah, being an entrepreneur is super stressful, mm-hmm. emotional. Um, you know, at, at times, and it's very, very helpful to have people who are in your corner that will listen to kind of all the challenges um, you know, that you're having and or, you know, create a space that is oh, like separate from my day-to-day, yeah. you know, challenge of, of being a you know, person that has a business. Gotcha, man. Um, so now <clears throat> this location is open. You guys are looking to expand, right? D.C. is the next place. Yeah, so we'll open D.C. and L.A. next year. And L.A. Amazing. And it's almost like a similar process for how you built this first one. Kind of just doing the same thing and it's like rinse, rinse and repeat. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, <laughs> getting it going. Okay. How do you guys see um, yourself compared to like some of your competitors like WeWork or something like that? <clears throat> I, I don't, we're actually competing with WeWork um, mm-hmm. in my mind because, I mean, I think on a, Practical level, how people use the space is very different. Okay. But we're very much so in the community business. We're not in. We're not a, people that call us a co-working space. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that's not to me the appropriate view. Yeah. You can work here. It's an amenity being a member of the club. But the driver of why people are members here and why I think they enjoy and stay being members here is not about access to a desk, yeah. but access to other people that are enriching to their, you know, like they enhance their lives either um, in a professional sense or in a social one. So, yeah, I mean, we're in a different, we're playing in a different, um, you know, the different question that I think we're trying to, to answer here than what we work is. Gotcha. Amazing. All right. So, uh, one of my last questions, um, what do you plan on having on your, on your playlist, since I don't know if you created it yet, what are some uh, of the songs you, that you listen to along your journey? Gotten you through, you know, some of these things they're going through, um, and then keeps you going like today. There's a lot of songs. Um, I'm actually a big music person. My my favorite artist of all time is Jay Z. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know what whole record to even <laughs> like point out. Um, I used to play my first song mm-hmm. a lot um, before anything important happened because that was my way of like resetting and like if you listen to the first couple minutes of that song mm-hmm. um uh maybe even have like like biggie on the, the top of it talking about like how to stay successful and it's like he's talking about you got to treat everything like it's your first project yeah and the hope comes it's like you, you want to know why i don't stop why i don't flop yeah um so i listen to that track a lot before anything important happens because again it's like a it's like a reset you know like get into the but I'm also at the same time a huge, um, I'm a purist, I think, in the hip-hop sense. Like, mm-hmm. I'll listen to a lot of this new stuff if I'm out, but if I'm by, with, like, by myself, you'll see, I mean, The Roots. And, yeah, like, okay. My favorite group of all time is Little Brother. Okay. Much respect to Outkast, yeah. which is also in there, but, like, mm-hmm. Little Brother is, like, a... Uh, uh, Sad that they're not making music uh, together anymore. But I like I like that brand of hip hop. Um, you know the the purist. old Kanye. Yeah. Um, That's purest form. Well, who, yeah, I'm a, I'm a purist. Who are some of the new artists that you kind of 
uh, have like that caught your eye and was like, okay, this guy got something. Have there? Man, I don't know. Like, I, I feel <laughs> old sometimes. Like, I, I don't really know if there's like a ton of the new people that I like. I can say that I'm like I'm listening to their album. And part of the problem right now is that. People don't produce whole projects anymore. Yeah, like they like releasing these singles, these singles. And, and so the music industry's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my favorite music, it's the whole like they produce whole album. Yeah, projects. And a lot like, of pro- work. Yeah, yeah, like they had like you know re- they had real points of view. I I can't say that there's um, a new artist. I don't know. Nothing, nothing, nothing immediately comes to mind when you say new artists yeah. and projects. Cause I, I don't, I don't count. Like, I mean, I think the Meek Mill album was dope. I don't count Meek as a new artist. Yeah, he's not. Really. So, so. Not. I mean, I don't. Know. Maybe you have to give me an example of, of what some of this new stuff is. Uh, but I, I, I'm not as in tune with. Uh, have you heard like uh, Jid, for example? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's I. Uh, yeah, like uh, respect to all those guys. Like, yeah. I mean. And I think that, I mean, an artist like that, honestly, is in the lineage of the, the type of uh, artist that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, I'm much more likely to listen to, like, a new Cole project. Yeah. Even, like, Tip's new project, mm-hmm. which I actually thought was um, was really dope. Okay. But, yeah. No, yeah, Tip's, Tip's new project was, uh, was fire. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to have to look in my... My um, my uh, my playlist here and see what I've been listening to. But right, cool. I'm a uh, I'm a hip hop. I will say I'm a hip hop here. Nice. Now this is almost fire too. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But Ryan, man, appreciate you coming, uh, speaking to me. You know, wonderful conversation. I think I learned a lot from this. I think Have. a lot of people will learn from this. No, I appreciate it. And uh, anytime, come see us at the gathering spot. We'll do. Uh, plug gathering spot Instagram. oh sure so yeah you can find us online anywhere at the gathering spots mm-hmm. or if you go on our website the gathering spot.club.club right. on all, all platforms so there you have it my conversation with Ryan if you've enjoyed this episode and this conversation I have a simple ask screenshot your phone and post it on your Instagram story and we'll be sure to repost it that's it so until next time Don't let the noise drown out the music. Peace.